Heavenly Father, we bless your name this morning. We declare that you have no rival. You have no equal. You are the greatest of all the greats. My Lord God, we bless you this morning. Thank you for the privilege of being able to come before your presence to exalt you and to magnify your name because indeed you alone is the only true and living God. And so we thank you this morning. We bless your name, Father God, that you rule and you reign in all the earth and you have found it so gracious to call us to reign alongside with you. And so we take our positions this morning and we thank you, Lord God, for the privilege to rule and to reign in our domain. We thank you, Father God, that coronavirus does not rule in the United States, nor anywhere else on the face of this earth. In the name of Jesus, we declare healings, peace, calm all over the globe right now. In the name of Jesus, we bless you, we praise you. We thank you, Father God, because you are a great, great, great God. Thank you, Father God, for your loving kindness unto all of us. In Jesus' name, we've prayed. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Thank you so much, guys. Uh, seems as if since this coronavirus, you guys are getting better and better. Uh, but we still want corona to go anyway. Praise God. Hallelujah. Welcome this morning to WalkFan, uh, World Outreach Church for All Nations. Speaking to you from Lawrence, Georgia, where we are observing the social distancing. Uh, we thank God that God has given us a word and a vision that is to build strong families and to serve global communities. So we welcome all of our communities across the world. Thank you for joining us this morning, and we pray that God will speak a word in season that will touch you, minister to you, establish you, and cause you to flourish in the courts of the Lord our God. So I'm going to continue this morning from what I've been speaking over the last couple of weeks on the benefits of being seated in Christ in the heavenly places. I've already addressed the fact from Psalms 23 that as men and women who are seated in Christ, we have no lack. Secondly, that we rest in the abundance and peace of God. Next, that we have restoration when we do err, when we do sin, and when we do fall away momentarily. And of course, last week I addressed the fact that we have direction, direction. And so this week, I want to speak about the fact that we have protection, protection. Amen. So I'm going to read from Psalms 23, verse 4. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, first of all, as I get into this uh, passage this morning, I want you to take note of some shift that's taking place when David began to speak this psalm. The first three verses, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
those first three verses, David was speaking about God, the shepherd. But in verse 4, we see a shift. And this shift is significant that we need to take note. So first three verses, it was speaking about his shepherd, God. But in verse 4, he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now look at the next sentence. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So now in verse 4, we see a shift. Shifting from talking about the shepherd and now talking to the shepherd. This is critical for what's about to happen. So the idea here is, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why will you not fear any evil? You will not fear any evil because of the level of your intimacy. The level of your intimacy with the shepherd, with Jesus Christ in this case, will determine the level of your confidence in his protection. When you are assured of an intimate relationship with him, it will give you confidence to trust him that he will keep you regardless what. In Psalms 91, in the first two verses, the Bible says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. So again, you see the level of confidence that it correlates with the level of intimacy. Because it is those who dwell in the sacred place. Dwelling means you are there, you are parked there. You are not in and out. You are dwelling. That's where you live. That's where you are staying. Those who dwell in the sacred place of the Most High, they are the ones who have the confidence to say, you are my refuge. You are my God, in him will I trust. So David begins to make a shift here in verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's not beginning to tell us or to reveal to us the level of deep intimacy that he has with God. And my advice and my suggestion, my admonition for all of us, this morning is, in order for you and I to have the confidence that David has, that yea, though I walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, in order for us to speak with that kind of confidence, in order for us to rest assured that no matter where we are, no matter what's going on with us, that God is with us, we will need to upgrade our intimacy. We have to upgrade our intimacy. It is in the place of intimacy that you build trust. It is in the place of intimacy that you get assurance that what you know and what you are and where you are is good enough for you. And that's, not, that's one good thing that we can say about this season, this lockdown season. It affords all of us the opportunity that we did not have to push a reset button and press in unto God. Spend time with God. Get to know him. Receive the assurance of who he is. Because on the, uh, on the basis of that assurance, you'll be, will, you'll be ready to face the world. Now, going back to the shepherdship relationship. 
whenever the shepherd is leading the sheep to green pastures, most of those green pastures are on high ranges, mountaintops. And therefore, as they go from one range to the next, they have to go through a valley. They graze on one mountaintop today for a few days, perhaps, and then in order for them to find a new place to graze, they're going to have to come down into the valley and climb up to a new place. And this is what David is referring to as being treacherous. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. David himself was a shepherd, so he was very familiar with the dangers associated with leading sheep to green pastures. He knew because he's been there. In those valleys, you have poisonous plants. In those valleys, you have predators. In those valleys, you have all kinds of things that pose danger for the sheep. Now, before I go further, let me go back to that Psalms 23 in verse 3. It says, he restores my soul. Now look at the next verse, the next sentence. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So what's the point I'm trying to make here? By the time you get to hear though I walk in or through the valley of the shadow of death, you must recognize you just didn't get there by an accident. You didn't get lost and you're in the valley of shadow of death. No. Verse 3 reminds us, he leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So if you find yourself in the valley of the shadow of death, you are not there by accident. You are not there because you've sinned. <laughs> you are not there because of anything else that's going around you. You must remember, he led you there. For his name's sake, there is something that he wants to show, to do. There is something he wants to reveal in leading you to this valley of the shadow of death. Now, not only should you remember he led you there, in that verse uh, uh, 4 again, he says, yea, though I walk through. He did not say you park there. So what I'm saying to you this morning, wherever you are, whatever you are in, whatever's happening around you, you're just passing by. You are just passing through. You are just walking through there. This is not your permanent abode. This is a temporary thing. Whatever discomfort you are feeling, whatever, whatever pain is on you, whatever distress you feel like you are in, it has an expiration date. Even this shall pass. Why? Because you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. After a while, you cover the distance. You walk through it and come out of it in the name of Jesus. Why? Because he led you there. And he's not going to leave you there. Hallelujah. Amen. So, David was speaking from experience. And it is important for me and you to recognize that though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the relationship or the level of our intimacy gives us the assurance that no matter what happens while we are there, we will survive it. Let me go to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verse 24. Matthew chapter 14, verse 24. 
Hallelujah. Okay. It says, but the boat was now in the midst of the sea, tossed by the waters, or rather, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Next verse, please. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on, on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not, have, do not be afraid. Go back to verse 26. Verse 26. Thank you. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out of fear. That's where most of us are. Most of us find ourselves in situations, in circumstances right now, where we are crying out for fear. Why? Because the wind is contrary. And we are fearful. We are afraid. At this point, these disciples, even though they had been with Jesus, did not understand the intimacy that they had with the Lord Jesus Christ. They totally forgot how they got in the boat. Mm. Give me verse 22, same chapter. Verse 22, Matthew 14, 22. They forgot how they got there to begin with. And so for many of us right now, we are distressed because of the situation. Maybe you're out of job. Maybe your business is not doing well. Things are happening. And you say, man, this is not the way I planned 2020 to be. But you have forgotten, you have forgotten how you got here. And if you're not careful, you think the answer is in you. But I'm here to tell you, even though you're walking in the valley of the shadow of death, you should fear no evil. Because it's rod and it's tough. They will comfort you. Hallelujah. Look at verse 22. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. Oh my God. How did they get in the storm? Jesus put them in the boat. <laughs> Jesus put them in the boat. How are you where you are now? Jesus is setting you up. He's setting you up for a testimony. He's setting you up for a victory. He's setting you up because he knows the ace. He has the joker. He knows what he's about to do. He knows what is about to manifest in your life. Jesus is setting you up. If you only believe and not be fearful. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So the point I'm making here is they just didn't get in the boat or on the sea that was just contrary. Jesus set it up. So what I'm saying to you is the assurance that I have that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. The fact that I know that God is ordering my steps. No matter what I face, no matter what happens, he ordered my steps, he will order me, he will order my victory. Hallelujah. And that's the confidence with which we must face the task that's before us. Let, let me go to Job 39, verse 8. Job 39, verse 8. Because God is with us, we fear no evil. Glory to God. Job 39 verse 8, the range of the mountains is his pasture. You see that? And he searches after every green thing. So we know for a fact that the mountains is the range where the pastures are. But you cannot get to a mountaintop unless you go through a valley. Now, please 
Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Hallelujah. Let's see how this unfolds. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Let me start from verse 1. Ah, thank you. You got it there. <laughs> now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle. And they were gathered at Shoko, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Shoko and Azekah in Ephes Damin. Watch verse 2. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together. And they were encamped in where? Where were they encamped? In the valley of Elah. Once you see that word valley, immediately you trigger the valley of the shadow of death. They were gathered together in that valley and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. Now jump to verse 34 for me. Same passage, verse 34. Now, many of us know this story. The Philistines came out against the armies of Israel. And the Bible says that the Saul and his army were afraid. They were definitely afraid. And uh, they didn't know what to do until David showed up. So, actually, give me verse 33. Verse 33. So, David showed up. Verse 32, I'm sorry. <laughs> verse 32. Let's, let's read a few more verses. So, David showed up. This Philistine army has been intimidating the Israelites all this while, and David showed up in verse 32. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. What? Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Now, mind you, David is a little boy. He's a youth. Verse 33. And Saul said to him, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. What is Saul looking at? He's looking through his natural eyes. He's looking at the boy's size. He's looking at his youthfulness. Okay? For you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. Verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out against it and struck it. Let me just stop there for a minute. We just saw right there what a shepherd does to protect the sheep. When the lion and the bear came to take one of the sheep that David was taking care of, David, in this case, as a shepherd, immediately took responsibility. And the point I want you to understand is that as a sheep in God's pasture, if you and I, like that sheep, ever find ourselves in a compromised situation to compromise our protection and our safety. <laughs> Just as David went after the lion and after the bear, that's the same way God has committed to protect us in any dangerous situation. I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. Come on, this is a young boy now. And when it rose against me, 
I cut it by its beard and struck and killed it. Now, don't go home and do that. Especially if you don't have the intimacy that David had with the shepherd. <laughs> don't, don't go to the zoo. Don't, don't, don't go and try that at all. Amen? Now, read on. Let's, two more verses, 36 and 37. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord, oh hallelujah, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Now, you see a classic example of the difference between a man who has intimacy with God and Saul, who knew God but had no intimacy. Saul knew God. God placed him as king. But because he did not develop an intimate relationship with God, when crisis came, he was afraid. But in the same token, David, who had, delivered, who had de developed an intimacy with God, in a time of crisis, stood and arose to the occasion and said, my God is able. That God that delivered me from the hand of the lion and the bear is more than able to deliver me and Israel out of the hand of these Philistines. Now, what I want us to see in this story is that while the valley may be a very dangerous place for a sheep, and for me and you, while being in a uh, tough environment, being in a situation that is fearful, can be very, very challenging, it is important that we see that God not only delivers us, but the level of our confidence in his deliverance is tied to our relationship and intimacy with him. That is always going to be key. And that's why God will take you and I through series of circumstances and situations to help you and I begin to develop confidence in that intimacy. David just didn't wake up one morning and said, I want to challenge Goliath. No. He had built a resume. The day he ran, he ran, he chased bears away. The day he chased lions away. Each day that he lived gave him the opportunity to build a resume that continued to increase his confidence in who God says he is. And so for you and I, it's the same thing. We have an opportunity every day to begin to uh, develop that resume, to develop a relationship, and to allow God, by the things that happen in our lives, to, to, to grow confidence in us. I cannot say this enough. The level of your confidence will be directly related to the level of your intimacy and your relationship. And so God allows me and you, over time, for things to happen to us in order to build that confidence. Uh, Let's go to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus 13. Now, don't lose hold of the fact that it is God that's leading us in a path of righteousness for his name's sake. That's how we got here to begin with. You are not here or you are not in the situation where you are by accident. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And if he utterly falls, I mean, if he falls, he will not be utterly destroyed. Why? Because God's hand is going to uphold you and deliver you. Amen? So Exodus 13 verse 17. 
Exodus 13, verse 17. So the journey that you and I are on, on a daily basis, can be likened to the journey of Israelites coming out of Egypt. It was God that delivered them with the utmost purpose and express intention of bringing them to a new place, the promised land. God delivered them from the bondage to bring them into a new land, a new place of living, the promised land. So Exodus 13 verse 17. Let's figure out from there. Then it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, watch this now, that God did not lead them up by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. What? For God said, let's perhaps... The people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Oh my God. When they were delivered out of Egypt, there are two choices, two possible routes to the promised land. The land of the Philistines, which was actually shorter, or around the Red Sea, which is much longer. And yet God, the sovereign God who delivered them, who is the one that's going to transport them to this promised land, did not choose the easy way. Ooh. See, for me and you, sometimes when choices are laid before us, decisions we have to make. If care is not taken, we make choices, we make decisions on the basis of how easy one is versus the other one. But that's not the way God thinks. That's not the way God thinks. You are in a situation right now, considering a job offer, and you may think, well, this job pays this much, this one does not pay as much, let me take the one that pays the higher salary, because it gives me the easiest route to fulfilling the American dream. And you use the American dream as a criteria to make a choice. Whoa, not knowing what's behind the choice you are just making, but God knows. So we must never do that which is lawful, we must do that which is expedient. All things are lawful, but all things are not expedient. So God is looking at this situation and saying, listen, I can take you by the route of the Philistines. It's shorter, it's easier, as far as getting to where you're going. But I know you guys. I have not trained you for war yet. And the Philistines are fierce, warring people. If I take you through this shortcut and you encounter them, you may run back to Egypt. Therefore, I'm making the choice for you to take you this other way. Give me the next verse. Verse 18. Oh my God. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. Don't forget, who's leading them? God. They didn't make a choice. They didn't use GPS and determine, okay, this is where we're going. No, God is the one leading. So if God is leading... Whatever comes against them must deal with God first. And that's the same thing for you and I. If God is leading us, if we have the confidence that it is God that is leading us, then whatever comes our way, you must be rest assured that thing must first contend with Jehovah God. Hallelujah. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And so let me say to you this morning, do not curse your wilderness. That wilderness experience is a place of your training, it's a place of your proving, it's a place of your equipping. In that wilderness, that's where God is going to really, really drill down and put some things in you that you will need when you get to where you're going. So don't curse 
your wilderness experience, especially when it's God leading you through it. And the children of Israel went out in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. Go on. And Moses, oh yeah, Moses, yeah, let, let's keep verse 19. Let's go to verse 20 because of time. Verse 20. So they took their journey from Shukoth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. Next verse. And the Lord did what? Went before them. Hey, <laughs> my God, my God, my God. He went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and at night. Can you imagine this? Who could have thought about this? These guys were a band of slaves. Had no idea what the journey was going to be like. They could not have dreamt that they needed coverage in the heart of the sun and light at night. On their own, they probably would have traveled a few hours a day and rested because of darkness and so forth and so on. But God, who was leading them, who knew the terrain, who knew what was going to happen and what they would need, provided covering. A cloud by the day to shield them from the intense sun in a desert and a pillar of fire at night to keep them warm and to give them light. Verse 22. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Now, this is the Old Testament, you guys. This is before Jesus came on the scene. If God took this much care of those who had not confessed and known the Lord Jesus Christ, if he had the initiative to take care of them and give them this protective custody. Remember, these are a band of slaves. They had no experience in warfare. If God could provide this kind of coverage for them, how much more for you and I? So today, you and I do not have to depend on the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire. Why? We have the cloud and the fire inside of us. In the person of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. The issue is, do you believe it? Do you believe that you have the greater one living in you, the one that is greater than the circumstance you are facing, the one that is bigger and better and more equipped to cope with the situation you are in? Do you believe that that person lives in the inside of you? When trouble knocks on your door, do you answer with the greater one that's inside of you? That's the key. That's the key. And so, we see how God led them. So now, one of the reasons God did this for Israel, number one, is because the Egyptians were to be drowned in the Red Sea. <laughs> God is saying, these are enemies. If I took you through the Philistines, they can still pursue you there. So you have the Philistines ahead of you, the Egyptians behind you. I'll do something better than that. Allure them and let them pursue you to the Red Sea. By one stroke of your deliverance, they'll be, de they'll be destroyed. Yeah. In one stroke. One master stroke. Hallelujah. I'm saying to you to this morning that whatever is against you, God is fighting your battles. Yes. Believe in the word of the Lord your God and you'll prosper. Believe in his prophets and you'll be established. That's what the word of God says. I trust God this morning. I trust God. I know where in his terrible, precarious season. We're in a place we've never been before. 
when it locked down, things are tough, things are difficult. I understand that, and I'm not taking that lightly. But you know what? I'm just crazy enough to trust God. Hallelujah. He brought us into 2020. He's not going to roll the clock back now. He wants to manifest and show his world the greatness of who he is. And we are the instruments of that deliverance. We are the ones through which God will manifest who he is to the world around us. So he wanted to drown the Egyptians in the Red Sea so that the Hebrews or the Israelites will never have to contend with them again. Secondly, he wanted to use the wilderness experience and the Red Sea to humble the Israelites, meaning to teach them to rely on him. That's what humility means. Not to rely on their own resources, but to look to him and to rely upon, upon him. He wanted to use it to humble them and then, of course, to prove them in the wilderness. Amen? Now, I said this already, that the Philistines were very powerful enemies. And it was needful. Oh, God is a master. He's a master strategist. God knew that where he was taking them, they were going to have to fight a lot of wars. And we saw that as they began to take possession of the promised land. They had to fight many wars. But God was not going to expose them to wars until he had prepared them for it. <laughs> Glory to God. What's the implication of that? Wherever you and I are right now, whatever hardship you are in, you are thinking this thing is so hard and grievous, but I'm saying to you, God will have never allowed you in there if he had not prepared you for it. You just don't know what you have. You just don't recognize the resources that's already in you to fight the situation that you're in. But the scripture is abundantly clear. Hallelujah. You know, when I started going to the gym a few years ago, uh, I got in there the first day. The guy just didn't tell me to go and lift a 100-pounder weight. You know, he killed me. So he started me on baby steps, five pounds. Okay, I, I can do that. Then after a while, graduated me to 10 pounds. Okay, yeah, I can do that. From 10 pounds to 50. So gradual increase until now develop the stamina and the capacity to do more. That's exactly what God does with, with you and I. He allows us to go through things that prepare us for a greater challenge. And therefore, everything that happens to you as a believer is not accidental or incidental. It is a very deliberate plan of God to prepare you for the next assignment. So he took these guys through the wilderness. Because there, they will be prepared. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm winding up now. 1 Corinthians 10. Hallelujah. Verse 13. Give it to me in the, in the uh, Passion Transition if I can do it. Thank you very much. Look at this. We all experience times of testing which is normal for every human being. But God will be faithful to you. Watch this. He will screen and filter the severity, the nature, and the timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust him more. 
For along with every trial God has provided for you a way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. Absolutely. In other words, God proportions our trials to the strength we've developed. He proportions our trials to the strength he has already developed in us. Oh, my goodness. Years ago, I'm, I'm going to close on this, on this one. Years ago, uh, where, before we started this church, we were in a church where Phil Driscoll, the famed trumpeter, came to play. Man, and this guy was just blowing that trumpet and just really pushing the envelope and really blowing. Man. And you could see on the face of all of us in the congregation how amazed we were at the level of his skill and how he was really, really pushing the envelope. And he said to us, he said, you know, I know you guys are wondering how could I do this. He said, but I want you to know that before I got on this platform, I've done bigger, worse, more, more intense things in my privacy. Yeah. <laughs> in other words, what he's doing in public is just a tiny specter of the things God had already done, did him in private. Genesis 22, this is where I close. In verse 1 and 2, Genesis 22, 1 and 2. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Jesus, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Genesis 22, verse 1. Thank you, Jesus. All right, this is what it says. Oh, thank you. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love. By the way, that word love there is the first time love is used in the scriptures. Whom you love. And go to the land of Moriah. Moriah literally means foreseen by Jehovah, foreseen, to see something in advance, foreseen by Jehovah. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, I'm sure many of you have read this and questioned, how in the world could Abraham even think of obeying this kind of instruction? Which among us will be willing to take their child, their only son, whom they love, to go offer on the sacrifice. Who in the world would do that? I've asked that question many, many, many times until I saw what I'm about to share with you now. Go back to verse 1, Genesis 22, verse 1. Now, it came to pass after these things. The testing of verse 2 did not come until after these things. In other words, God had taken Abraham through a series of things to build his confidence in God's ability to do what God says he's able to do. My God. After you've gone through number one, number two, number three, you develop a resume. You develop a confidence. If God said this, now I'm ready to do so. But for me and you, looking from outside in with no experience, no resume, 
You're going to say, oh, no, this is too difficult. I can't do this. Of course, that's why God is not asking you to do so. Why? You've not been after these things yet. So for Abraham, God did not bring this to him until number one, he asked him to leave the land and show to leave his home in the land of all to a place that God will show him. God did not ask him to do this until God has told him to say goodbye to his nephew Lot, who headed for Sodom. God did not tell him to do this until God had told him to refuse the spoils of the battle offered by the king of Sodom. God did not tell him to do this until God commanded Abraham to send his son Ishmael into the desert. Four critical things that God had told him to do that he obeyed. And he saw the blessings of God in his obedience and compliance. And so by the time Genesis 22 verse 2 came, he was ready. Are you ready for your wilderness experience? Are you ready for where God have you now? Do you have a resume with God, confidence in God's ability to deliver? Because you will need that confidence in the day of battle. It is the confidence of God's nature, being who he say he is, that keeps me and you to keep on looking at him and trusting that he who has begun a good work in us is able to finish and to perfect it in Jesus' name. So I want to pray right now. I'm not done with this message. I'll come back on Wednesday night and finish it. But right now, I just want to pray for some of us who are in a hard place. You are caught in a hard place. Your heart is skipping. You are wondering, how? How will I survive this season? You are wondering, does God love me? Does he care? Is he going to answer? Is he going to walk me through this situation? I answer all of these questions with a resounding God is with you. Resounding God is able. Resounding God has the capacity to bring you out. And that whatever you are faced with will not finish you. It will only be a platform for your testimony and your promotion if you look up to him and trust him. So I want to pray for you right now. I'm asking you, trust God. If your relationship has been uh, estranged, maybe you're one of those bare-weather Christians, by that I mean you only read your Bible on Sundays in church, you need to change. You need to repent of that. By that I mean change your mind. Recognize that God is your lifeline. Apart from him, you have nothing. He's the almighty God, and without him, there's none else. You must acknowledge who God is. Not just on the face of this earth, but in your situation and in your life. Repent. Change your mind. You cannot continue to pull up yourself by your own bootstraps. It will only lead to futility and frustration. You can do it. God never designed us to help ourselves. He is the one that's our helper. That's what Jesus said. He sent a helper in the name and person of the Holy Spirit. So let's just pray together. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank God for all my brothers and sisters who, yes, they are born again, but they've been estranged and careless in nurturing their relationship. They cannot say with confidence what David said. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because your rod and your staff, 
they comfort us. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that the power of the Holy Spirit is convincing them of the choices that they have to turn around, to change, to repent, and turn to you and find refuge and succor in the love and the protection you provide. And that they will begin a close, intimate relationship with you in the name of Jesus. You said in your word that you stand at the door and knock and you're willing to be invited to come in. And so, Lord God, I pray that they open the door of their hearts to you coming in to sit and to sup with them and to bring them to a new place in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God, because you said while we are yet speaking, you will answer and that you show us great and mighty things of which we know not. I pray that for my brothers and my sisters today, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, that you revamp renovate, renew our minds to where we seek you always and don't trust in the arm of our flesh. We thank you, we bless you in Jesus' name. And now there may be some of us that are not even born again at all. And for you, I want to offer you the plan of God's salvation. The Bible says in Luke chapter 19, God, that, that God came to seek and save that which was lost. John 3, 18 says, those that believe are not condemned, but those that do not believe are already condemned. It is not God's plan to condemn you at all. That's why John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He wants you. He created you for his own purpose and for his own glory. Don't stay away. Come now, he says, and let us reason together. Though your sins be as uh, 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 scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Though they be as red as crimson, they'll be like wool. God wants you to reason with him. He wants to save you. Simply by believing on the name of his son, Jesus. The Bible says, to as many as uh, believe on his name, it's giving them the privilege of, be of becoming a child of God. And so I want to offer you that right now. Just repeat this simple prayer after me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your plan of salvation that includes me. I believe in the Lord Jesus. I confess with my mouth that he died for my sins and he rose again from the dead for my victory. And according to your word in Romans 10, 9, if I should make this confession... I am saved. And so, Lord, I thank you for saving me this morning, gloriously, bringing me into your pasture. Thank you, Father God, that like my brothers, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And so, Father, thank you for your salvation and your deliverance. I bless you for it, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. And so, if you said that prayer, we would like to hear from you. If you just please send us a message from on our website, www.walkfan, W-O-C-F-A-N, walkfanusa.org. We have prayer partners that's waiting to pray with you. So if you just let us know, and God will bless you. So now, don't forget, keep tuning in. On Tuesday at 8 o'clock we pray. Wednesday night we have a midweek mid refuel at 7.30. And on Friday we have a noonday prayer in Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you. See you next time.